Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast, the round two recap of the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. I'm Greg Ducharme. Joining me tonight is Doug Bell. Doug, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hey, Greg, doing great. Uh, you know, after watching now for two days, uh, the, the situation down in the Dominican Republic, I, I, I want to go. Let's get everybody together. Let's get Rick and Kyle uh jacob our producer let's get everybody to go down to the D dominican republic and play that place it looks incredible doesn't it it really does you know i was talking to mark about this a little bit last night there's something about uh, about golf in the islands and this yeah. place especially you're watching and you know these players it means so much to these players this group of players they're probably playing for more than uh, aside from a major, I mean, these guys are playing for everything. It means a lot. But when you watch them play down there, for some reason, it feels so relaxed. <laughs> Just watching on TV. And I'm with you. I'm with you, Doug. I want to go. Uh, there's there's no question about it. It reminds me of my honeymoon, which is just so peaceful and quiet. And <laughs> so I'm in. You want to you wanna set that up? You let me know the dates, and I'm, I'm in going down to the Dominican Republic. But we have had some really impressive golf, Doug. We have Hudson Swafford solo leader at 12 under par uh, on, a, on a major medical exemption. Yeah. He shot 65, 67 for his opening two rounds. Uh, he's one of those players. You just, you know how talented he is. You're just waiting for him to pop up. What'd you make of his round today? What, what impresses you uh, with this guy as a player? Well, uh, not a surprise, uh, a winner on the PGA tour at the American express a few years back. Uh, another one of those talented guys from the university of Georgia has had some injury problems as of late. And he has two more tournaments after this to get 105 FedEx Cup points. So if you win this week, you take care of that in one swoop. And basically, you set yourself up for an incredible season. So I think Hudson Swafford, uh, apparently he's healthy, Greg. And, and he's, a, he's a really good ball striker. And he's a guy who, who can get hot and keep it together. Uh, so, so we'll see if he can... Uh, uh, perform on the weekend. I know that's what he has his sights set on. I mean, if he does well this weekend, hey, it's, it's going to be a really, really good season for Hudson Swafford. I heard him uh, in his post-round presser yesterday talking about his journey to this point. And he was talking about how he was getting a little frustrated with his game and things were a little bit edgy and it, it wasn't, he wasn't having a lot of fun out there. And he took a little bit of time after the Safeway Open where he did make the cut, but it wasn't a great performance. And he, he reset mentally. He did a little bit of work with his mental coach, Brett McCabe. I don't know if you're familiar with Brett, but he is fantastic. Um, does a lot with the Alabama football team as well. Yeah. And so he, he gets together with Hudson. They, they kind of reset mentally. And here we are. Uh, he's your 36-hole leader and 12 under par. It's been fantastic to watch. The other thing I really like about Hudson and the approach is he's talking about how much they've been working on his speed how good his speed has been the past two days. And as you know, Doug, when a player has their speeds under control, um, it, it's something to watch out for. 
Yeah, and when a player's healthy too. I mean, if anything is going on with a golfer, whether especially their back or their shoulder or their elbow, uh, any joint situation, uh, Brooks Kepka, you know, the knee, the hip, uh, if you're not 100%, it's hard to go out there against these great players. I mean, it really, really is. And, and, and guys try uh, because there's so much on the line week in and week out, and they don't want to sit out because, you know, this could be the week. But sometimes you have to just sit back and, and let your body recover. And I think that's what Hudson Swafford has done. And, Greg, as you, as you hit on there, these guys, it's not only a physical game, but it's mental. So much is in between the years for all of them. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau and all the great ones, they all have to get it right upstairs. And so, so we'll see. Uh, hopefully Hudson Swafford, it looks like physically he's there, and hopefully he'll keep that mental grind going. Because, as you know, if you haven't been in the fire for a while – Sometimes those nerves kind of kick in, especially late on a Sunday. So we'll see how Hudson, Hudson handles the, uh, the pressure. It's amazing what a night's sleep can do to a <laughs> golfer. I mean, I, I yeah. definitely trust the work that um, he and Brad have done. So I think he does have some staying power. I like his, the approach this week. I think this is a venue you can kind of come in. It almost, it's a great place to reset, kind of relax and uh, almost unwind, even though it, as serious as it is out there, it, it would be huge for him um, but in the group behind him Doug you mentioned how many great players there are mm. that can catch you if you're not in top form and you have kind of a mixed bag behind him uh, there are three players at 10 under par two shots back Justin Suh who is um, a, a young gun coming out of college he's in the Morikawa class and the Hovland and, and Wolf class maybe the forgotten guy at yeah. this point in that group then you have Sean O'Hare uh, who's a veteran, the complete opposite. He's been around for a long time, contended in players' championships. He has been a great player on the PGA Tour for years. And Luke List, who kind of sits in the middle of that, an elite driver of the golf ball um, who's getting himself in the mix. So uh, of these players at, at 10 under, who interests you the most in that group? Well, um, first off, Sean O'Hare still has an incredible golf swing. Oh, uh, yeah. one one of the really outstanding golf swings on the PGA Tour. But he's the old veteran, isn't playing as much anymore, uh, doesn't get in all the events anymore. Uh, so I don't know if, if he has the staying power to stay up there. Luke List certainly does. As you mentioned, he is a long hitter. Um, you know, I was walking with him a few years back when Justin Thomas beat him in that playoff at the Honda Classic. Uh, Luke List has had opportunities to win in the PGA Tour, and I think he is going to win someday. It could happen this week. Um, and remember, he went out this year – uh, didn't get in the PGA Tour event and then went out and won the Corn Ferry. I um, mean, he wanted to play and he went out and was very impressive in that win. So I kind of like Luke List. Uh, I think he's a guy who has a lot of game. But you mentioned Justin Saw, the, the young man, 23 years old. He was the number one amateur in the world. And when they held that press conference for those guys, you know, uh, Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa, and, and there's Justin up there as well with those guys. And then a wrist injury just set him back. Uh, literally put him on the shelf for an entire year as he saw all these other players that, that he thought he was better than those guys. And, of course, we've seen all the success for Hovland and, and Wolf and obviously Morikawa. Uh, but Justin said he went out just a couple of weeks ago and played with Colin and beat him in an 18-hole match, which gave him a lot of confidence and now playing on a sponsor's exemption. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. You know, you and I and I think the golfing world knows about this young guy. Uh, but if he goes on to win this week, would not be a shock to me in the least. And you know what was interesting, Greg? Uh, when he hurt his wrist, he changed his golf swing. He, he said he was going at it at such an angle, he was putting so much pressure on his wrist, 
he went out and changed his swing and it took him a long time to get a new swing. So very, very interesting story of that young man. If you're not familiar with that golf swing of Justin, so you should check it out because it is it's pretty pure. I mean, I love I'm with you on Sean O'Hare. I love watching that swing. I hope to see him if he gets a victory this week. I think we'd see a lot more Sean O'Hare, which would yeah. which is a pleasure because he's great to watch. Uh, but Justin, too, not a not a guy to forget. That's an awesome golf swing. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you. When you're playing against a guy like Colin Morikawa in a non-tournament and you beat him in just an 18-hole match, what does that do for your – you think that that kind of confidence has any staying power when you go and play in a tournament? Or do you think it's like he understands, hey, this is one round and, and it's, a, it's a completely different ball game when the lights turn on? Boy, what a great question. Um, I, I think in the case – well, listen, when you're out there and you watch these guys, they are super ultra-competitive. Yeah. I mean, I mean, nowadays when you and I go out and play with our friends, right, it's, it's, it's fun. You hit a good shot, you hit a bad shot, you exchange a few dollars here and there after the round, it's not a big deal. You go out and have a brewski. But I think for these guys, when they play a match like that, they're dead serious and, and they want to beat the other guy. And I think in Justin's case, I think it has given him confidence. I mean, he mentioned that um, uh, in an interview that he did pre-tournament, uh, he talked about he beat Colin in an 18-hole match and that really gave him the uh, – uh, you know, the confidence uh, heading into this week. So, yeah, Greg, I think it's a big deal. I really do. It's only yeah. one 18-hole match. But, uh, listen, when those guys grind it out, they're going at each other. Well, they're definitely uh, contemporaries going back to their college days. So you have to know yeah. it's not just, well, hey, I beat them in one 18-hole match. I've competed with these guys. Right. And look at all the success they're having at the very highest level of the game. I mean, Matthew Wolf is, has two top five finishes in the two majors that he's played in. And Colin Morikawa <laughs> has won a major. And Victor Hovland has been far from a slouch himself. So uh, it, it's very, very interesting to see what they do, um, all, all of those players, really. Um, interesting stories. Um, but I think when you're heading into a week like this, the some of the real key stories and the fun ones to watch, um, and the reason why you know my attention is drawn to the uh, to this event, you have a player like Will Zalatoris. You have a player yeah. like Akshay Batia. These are players that do not have full status on the PGA Tour, and they're trying to make their make a name for themselves, and they have this golden opportunity in front of them. Um, Will Zalatoris, who we here at the first cut were very, very high on heading into the week, especially myself. He makes a cut, three under par. Akshay Batia shoots 73, misses a long birdie putt. Um, so, so he shot 69 today, uh, 69 yesterday, 73 today, and unfortunately misses the cut. But he's got to be riding a little bit of confidence. What, what do you make of these, these two young players? And do you, what do you think this kind of event does for them going forward, especially if you're Akshay, right? You have a top 10 at the Safeway. You come here and miss the cut. Are you, are you learning something here or where, where do you think they, they are? What do you think are their main takeaways? Well, I, I hope they're learning a lot. And, and I think they are, even with a missed cut, it's an opportunity. I mean, you go from a top 10, which uh, earns you the spot this week, and then you go out and you don't get the job done. So uh, yeah, you're disappointed, but I think you, I, I think that's something to build on, certainly. I mean, he's 18 years old. Good gracious. Uh, the one thing I've, I've noticed about him when I'm out there and he's on the range, um, number one, he's a great young guy and he's fun to talk to. I mean, he's a, he's a teenager, right? Uh, but he's got a lot of people around him. I mean, he's got, he's got a swing coach and he's got a mental coach out there and he's got another guy who works him out and, and he's got, uh, you know, people who, uh, you know, handle his uh, bookings and his sponsorships. So, I think that's a lot to handle for a young person. I really do. I mean, you're not just out there playing in a tournament. I mean, you're answering to a lot of people 
So I think that is a big time adjustment for him. And as for Will, I mean, what a phenomenal run he's been on. But, you know, I thought it was interesting. He was so, he has been so great on the Corn Ferry Tour and then played so exceptionally well at the United States Open and then comes in as the favorite over all the PGA Tour guys. I mean, that was incredible. That is very rare. And I just had a feeling with all that had been written and said and talked about him that he might have a little bit of a letdown, especially after the U.S. Open. I mean, after, after an exhausting week, I, I thought he might might let the air out of the balloon just a little bit. And I think that's, that is what happened has happened to Will this week. Do you think uh, make, making the cut kind of sliding under the tag, getting in right on the number, playing a Saturday morning round, do you think that relieves any of the pressure of coming in? I, hey, I entered as the yeah. favorite. I made the cut. But uh, everybody knows at this point I'm, I'm probably not going to win the event. Do you think that kind of relieves a little bit of pressure from him going forward for Saturday and Sunday? I do. And I think he'll go out tomorrow and could potentially shoot a really low number uh, because, you know, the atmosphere at this event is, is almost like a corn fairy atmosphere. I mean, we don't have fans anyway right now because of the situation we've been in for many weeks. But at the same time, this is kind of a, a corn fairy setup, or at least it reminds me of that. And, and the corn fairy guys play a lot down uh, in the Dominican Republic. They played play quite a few tournaments there. So I think Will is familiar with that. I think he'll go out tomorrow and play loose and free and, and potentially go really low. Of course, a lot is dependent on the weather. They've been very lucky with the wind or lack thereof. Uh, they are getting some overnight rains, which are softening things up. So I think, yeah, Greg, I think that could all add up to a, a real low number for him tomorrow, especially going out early with the greens are really good. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens with morning and afternoon when I, yeah. and, and we're going to, we're going to take a second and talk a little bit about who we like going forward. But um, one of the things I look at is what's the difference between morning and afternoon. And from what I saw, there wasn't a whole lot of wind in the afternoon, which is kind of customary. And I know this event's being played at a different time of year, but typically in the afternoon on the coast, the wind starts to pick up. So tomorrow, if you're Will Zalatoris and you're sitting at three under par, you go shoot 62 tomorrow and yeah. you're, you get yourself to 13 under. I know that's a huge ask. It's a, it would be a, uh, a great round. It'd be the best round of the tournament. Uh, I believe actually, I think, yeah, I think it, I think it was the best, it would be the best round of the tournament so far. And then all of a sudden you still find yourself uh, a shot back. And, but what happens with the leaders, this Hudson Swafford uh, and the, and the group at 10 under, do they have to deal with heavy wins? And if they do, you could get yourself back in the mix, but um, unfortunately, I think that lead is going to expand a little bit tomorrow. And I think that may be, um, yeah, there it is. Jacob says afternoon played 0.2 strokes harder. Wow. So not much of a difference today. And there yeah. wasn't much of a difference yesterday either. So very interesting. Um, but Doug, our, our um, defending champ, Graham McDowell, misses the cut. Game's been kind of in rough shape for him. I just want to mention, because as the defending champ, uh, only two made cuts since the restart. Mm. What do you think's going on with with Graham McDowell? What are you looking for him going forward? Is he a player you're interested in, or do you think that that win was kind of his his last one? Well, yeah, I don't think it was his last one. I, I think the win a year ago certainly turned his career around, uh, and, and and it put him in good form. And before the COVID shutdown, uh, you know, he was playing some pretty good golf and had worked his way in position to potentially get on the Ryder Cup team. And I remember we had him on an interview on CBS Sports HQ uh, where he was really excited about that. Uh, but then, of course, everything has kind of changed. And since the, the uh, professional tour has returned after the COVID shutdown, he has not played well. 
so I think he's disappointed where his game is right now. Um, so we'll see. A um, lot of golf to be played, Greg. Wow. I mean, every week yeah. there's just another tournament rolling around. So GMAC is going to have his opportunities. But I think you're right. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to hit that switch. And, and if you look at his numbers right now, he's trending uh, really in the, uh, in the wrong direction. I look at him as a player last year, he was trying to get into the open championship and, yeah. and that was right. And then, and you mentioned the Ryder cup. So there's a couple of these targets that he really wanted to get into. The open was in Northern Ireland, of course. And mm-hmm. so he really wanted to make sure that he got into that event and, and the inspiration is there and the fire is there. And at his age, it's not that you're incapable. We just saw Stuart sink, uh, pull off a win, but you almost find yourself in, uh, in no man's land, as I call it, where you're a long way away from PGA Tour champions. It's not not an option, not something you quite have your mindset on. Yet you're looking at some of these young kids coming out and saying, how can I how, how can I compete? So it, it's an interesting spot to be in. But it, they always seem to prove me wrong. Those those uh, <laughs> veterans always seem to prove me wrong. Well, we got some odds heading into the weekend. And this is where it's really fun. You have an opportunity to kind of make some hay here. So we're going to handicap a couple. We're going to pick a couple guys who we like heading into the weekend. But first, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Okay, Doug, uh, heading into the weekend, Hudson Swafford, we have him here at seven to one. Uh, we got Luke List at eight to one. Mackenzie Hughes is nine to one. Then you go down to Sam Burns at, at 12 to one. Is there anybody here uh, kind of a favorite? Sepp Straka, 14 to one. Justin So, as we mentioned, also 12 to one. Anybody here that we mentioned who, who really strikes your interest, who you're thinking is going to have a great weekend? Well, yeah, a um, couple of guys. Number one, Sepp Straka, by the way. Uh, I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and he lives here, uh, which is great. His girlfriend lives here, so he moved here, and I see him all the time. Uh, and he works with Mark Blackburn out of Greystone. I know you know Mark, who works with yeah. a lot of PJ Tour pros. So uh, I hope he has a good weekend. I just want to throw that out. But the guy I really like uh, is Mackenzie Hughes. Um, you know, made it to the Tour Championship with that incredible up and down from the bunker on the 72nd hole there at the BMW, uh, finished strong, uh, had a really solid season. And I think Mac is in a position uh, to take that next step and get another win. He has one. It was a few years ago at the RSM Classic. But I really like Mackenzie Hughes. And, and when you think about it now, um, we've talked a little bit about it. Last season in the fall schedule, eight of the ten winners made it to the Tour Championship. And this yes. year we have 12 tournaments. Uh, so, you know, a few more opportunities. And then at the end of the fall season, the top 30 in the FedEx Cup points, half of those guys made the Tour Championship. So, I mean, these are big tournaments. You, you don't realize what these guys are playing for, and they know it, and Mackenzie Hughes knows it. So I kind of like the Canadian. I think he's going to have a big weekend. The other thing, Doug, you mentioned how he got into the – uh, how, how he got himself into the tour championship. And that this year was even, it, it was almost like winning a tournament. Getting into yeah. the top 30 was almost like winning a tournament. You don't get the two-year exemption, but you get into the U.S. Open. You get into the Masters in April. You get into the Century Tournament mm-hmm. of Champions. So for Mackenzie Hughes, this has got to be kind of a, like it's almost like uh, you're playing with house money here. You've got <laughs> right. your schedule set for this year. You're in great shape going forward. And I think he's going to freewheel it a little bit and have a great performance. Uh, but the player who I really like in this spot is Sepp Straka, who mm. you mentioned. He's, yeah. uh, he, he's another long hitter um, from Birmingham, Alabama. Works with Jeff, uh, I'm sorry, Mark Blackburn, yeah. as he said, who I'm a huge fan of. 
um, extremely, he, he's wonderful. I, I've gotten a chance to speak with him a number of times, um, and he's wonderful. And I think you're going to see Sepp Straka go shoot a low one tomorrow. You look at what he's done, 65-70, finds himself three shots off the pace. And I, I, I like the fact that he's going to have three straight afternoon rounds in a row. Um, which I think is going to be really advantageous for him. So Sepp, Sepp Strzok is the guy that I'm looking at going forward. Uh, anybody else strike your interest? Um, I, I like Luke List. I mean, we talked about him in the yes. first part of the, uh, the podcast. Um, you know, Luke List is uh, – he's got some serious power in his game, and he doesn't get mentioned with the other guys because he hasn't had as much success. But if you go right. out there and walk with Luke List and watch him hit a driver in a three-wood, I mean, he's as long as anybody. And oh, yeah. You know, as you know, and so uh, we'll see. You know, this golf course is one wide fairways. It's it's a resort course, and it's right there in the ocean, so it's got to be wide fairways because when the wind blows 25, 30 miles an hour, you couldn't possibly get on the fairway, right? And so uh, a guy like Luke, Luke List, I think his length can take advantage, especially if the conditions can continue to be as calm as they are. And you know what, uh, Doug, you mentioned the wide fairways. That is exactly what he struggles with. As long as he is, he struggles with accuracy. So yeah. you give him a wide course, and all of a sudden his advantage comes to life. So I think he's a great pick. There's one other guy that I want to I want you to keep your eye on, and it's Adam Long. Adam Long has a kind of a, a pretty good, pretty solid weekend record. He shot 63, 64 over the weekend at the 3M, which really impressed me. Uh, he came in eighth with a 66 on Saturday at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, tied second at Mayakoba last year, which was, um, the, that's the same past Palom grass. So I'm, I'm very interested in what Adam Long does. I would say he's second on my depth chart behind, uh, behind Sepp Straka. And of course, you got to give Hudson Swafford the, the credit yeah. he deserves. But um, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Um, Doug, any, any closing thoughts? Well, my closing thought is there are a lot of birdies out there, and, and Patrick Rogers is another guy. We were talking about Justin Sue, who, you know, who's a young guy with great college credentials. Patrick Rogers, I mean, he was an incredible college player at Stanford, still has not won in the PGA Tour. And today, in the second round, he had six consecutive birdies, uh, which matches his most ever, which was six in a row last year at the same tournament. So he likes this place, and he's eight under par. So that's just another guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on. Sooner or later, another Patrick Rogers is going to ring the bell, and it wouldn't yeah. shock me to be at a course that he likes a lot. Long hitter, too. So yeah. I like that. I love the ceiling. I think we got five solid players. There you go. I afraid to go put a couple of shekels on. So um, very interesting. Doug, great to have you on tonight. Thanks for joining us uh, and talking about the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship. That's our round two recap. I'm Greg Ducharme. You can get me on Twitter at TheRealGFD. That's Doug Bell. You can get him on Twitter at Doug Bell Sports Guy. That's it for the first cut. We'll be back tomorrow.